Let me just go back before I move forward in this message this morning. We said several things last Sunday, including the fact that one of the key things that helped Joseph bring, in bringing him before Pharaoh was the fact that he was able and that he had actually forgiven his brothers. Huge. But the point I want to make before that point really is Joseph had to first forgive himself before he could forgive his brothers. Say, well, why? Why would Joseph need to forgive himself? And I'm saying it because, because of your situation, because of where you are. Whenever we are offended, or whenever something happens to us that places us on the receiving end of a hurt or an offense, it is always important to do a PM, post-mortem, to ask yourself the question, what happened that invited this offense into my life? What contribution may I have had that may have allowed that to happen? You follow what I'm saying? Now, it does not mean you did something wrong. No, that's not necessarily what it means. But you need to understand and just clear all of that and make sure there is nothing. You understand that you are righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and therefore you stand right in right standing with God. You clear all of that. You say, you know what, I've examined the situation. There's nothing lacking on my part and I thank God because God, you've made me righteous. You forgive yourself. Or if you are culpable in any way, you need to own that. In Joseph's case, was he culpable? Talk to me. Okay, I hear you. Yes, I hear you. No. When you read the account of Joseph's, Joseph's life in Genesis 37, he already knew his brothers didn't like him. Why? Because of the unique love of his father towards him. His brothers were already envious about him. They didn't like him to begin with. You are a spoiled brat. And then he had a dream. Eleven sheep standing in the farm. And his sheep, I mean the eleven bowed down to his sheep. And they said, oh really? Us, your senior brothers, going to bow down before you. You stupid. They didn't say it like that, but of course. Of course. He inflamed their envy. By sharing something with them that perhaps he could have kept himself. He didn't stop there. He had a second dream. And guess who he went and told it again? The same group of people that already had affection towards him. Now, that did not give those guys any right to do what they did to him. Absolutely not. But what I'm just saying is, in our dealings, in our situations, you need to look into your situation and say, okay, what happened? What did I do to invite that? Did I contribute anything to that? And if you did, forgive yourself and move on. Because if you don't forgive yourself many times, you will not be able to forgive others. Amen? Amen. Okay, now, let, let, let's, let's, let's progress in this, in this journey. I also want to say to you that dreams are waking us to God's purpose in our lives. Now, when I use the term dream, I'm not necessarily talking about you sleeping and having a dream. I'm not necessarily talking about a, a vision, an open vision. It could be an inspiration. 
It could be something you receive that you really believe God is saying for you to do. It could be some kind of, uh, 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 it, it, could be, it, could be, it, it could be something that you just, wow, you feel a drive towards a purpose, a place, a thing. Whatever it is, however it is, what I'm saying is dreams, visions, purpose, inspiration, have a way of awakening us to God's ultimate purpose in our lives. And you're going to see this develop very, very simply in Joseph's lives. Secondly, and this is huge, and someone here this morning needs to get this. Dreams have a way of separating us from our detractors. In other words, some of us are talking, moving, having relationships with certain people right now that if you can identify your dream, your vision, your purpose, immediately you have a recognition of that dream, vision or purpose, it's a no-brainer. You cut those relationships. Yes. Because in Joseph's life, he had a dream. And he told these dreams to his brothers who he thought would rally around him. But by virtue of the dreams, a separation was needed. Did you get that? Some of us are hanging out with the wrong people. And as long as you continue to do that, you will never be able to live out your dream. Thirdly, just as a dream has the capacity to bring separation in relationships that are not healthy, that are toxic, relationships that's going nowhere, that's taking to a dead end, just as dreams are able to do that, dreams also connect you and align you to people that's going to help you get where you're going. Amen. I remember years ago. Years, years, years ago. Still living in Nigeria. When the desire, the dream of traveling abroad for us back then. We go to work in the morning. We come back in the evening, sit down in the veranda, patio, just look at the traffic going by. And all of us young guys who had the dream to travel, we gather together, we just talk and just dream. Yes. We're in Lagos, Nigeria, seeing New York. Yes. We're in Lagos, Nigeria, looking at Buffalo. I mean, I've, I've, I don't even know where the place is on the map. But, but, but you talk about it until you feel like you are there. Yes. But every now and then, some guys will join our group and start talking, you guys will not make it. It's not going to happen. I know a person I went last week that was returned yesterday. Yes. If you try to go, you're going to be deported. Yes. Once you hear that and you see the guy, the next thing comes, you turn around. Why? We are not going to the same place. They have a different mindset. And I say this to young people. You don't get married on the basis of your hormones. You choose a partner and find a a, 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 a living, you, you find a partner, uh, a, a wife, a husband, on the basis of dreams. Where are you going? You see, because like I said to you at the beginning of last Sunday, success is a destination. No, 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 no. It's not a destination. You see, I got you there. It's a journey. Not a destination. It's a journey. So you want to make sure whoever you're going to have with you on this journey is thinking like you, you have the same common goals, same values, you are going to the same place. 
The reason most marriages are miserable with capital M, capital I, S, E, R, A, B, L, E. Miserable is because you have two people living together with opposing dreams. They are not connected mentally. They are not connected emotionally. They don't have a defined purpose for living. They're just merely existing. They cannot thrive. Amen? Now, still moving on. I want us not to miss this factor in Joseph's life. Because this is how we got here. Grace is guaranteed for me and you success. Jesus paid for our success in advance. Can anybody tell me what did Joseph do to get the dream? To interpret the dream? And ultimately to find himself before Pharaoh and be promoted? <laughs> Absolutely sovereign of God. And I'm saying that for emphasis this morning because I want you to know that God has so much love on you. He has poured his grace out upon you and I and all he has on his mind for us is success. Joseph didn't have to do anything. In fact, in fact, when he got involved in Genesis chapter 40, the last few verses, after he interpreted the dream to the butler and the baker, what did he do? He said, when you are released, remember me when you get before Pharaoh. The only time Joseph made reference, he said, I did not do anything to be in this prison. Neither did I do anything for me to be sold into this slavery. The only time that he tried to help himself. And the Bible said those guys got released and for two years they forgot him. That's what your effort in trying to manipulate the plan of God will bring to you. Because by no man's strength shall anyone prevail. Because if they had remembered him as he said, he would have said, I interpreted, you remembered me before the king, God brought me up. Man, I had it all worked out. No! He is the author and the finisher. He is the beginning and the ending. He is the alpha and the omega and everything else in between. Everything else in between. So Joseph totally, completely resigned himself to the plan of God. And my advice for all of us this morning is just sit tight in the boat and let the current move you. Find your place in the boat, the economy of God, and allow the current of God to move the boat. And guess where it's going to move you to? To your promised land. To move you right to your promised land. But when you start fooling with it, messing with it, toying with it, 
You're going to mess it up. Okay. So now, Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. Verses 42 and 43. Genesis 41. Well, let me start from, from verse 41. So, by this time, Joseph has interpreted the dream and has given Pharaoh a plan. And I ended last week by saying to us, God brings us to the door and the skill that you and I have developed in God helps secure that position. Amen? Now, in verse 41, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck and he had him ride in the second chariot which he had and he cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. The promotion came. Just as your promotion has come. But not only did the promotion come. Don't miss these two verses. When Pharaoh promoted Joseph, there was instant evidence of his progress. Number one, he got a ring. Authority. From the dungeon to the palace with authority. No one will lift a hand in Egypt Unless you, Joseph, signs it off. Your progress will be evident. You will not make progress in darkness and we come to light we don't see it. It's not going to happen. Number two, he put on him, the Bible talks about royal fine linen. The days of you wearing double knit polyester is over. (laughs) God has delivered polyester. Because the fine linen describes the elevation of his status. A man that was wearing inmate uniform a moment ago now is robed in fine linen. That means status. God is going to give you and I status that the world would admit, affirm, and recognize. Number three. He put a gold chain on his neck. No, I'm not talking about this costume jewelry that make your neck turn black. <laughs> Hello? We are not talking about gold-plated jewelry. No. This is pure gold chain, which in that day and time was an emblem of authority and influence. I don't know how many characters it was. But wherever Jesus went, he did not need an ID. The gold chain was his ID. And I'm saying to you, your days are coming. When we will look at you and you will not have to open your mouth, the appearance of yourself will be the testimony. There is no such thing as promotion without a change. A ring for authority, leaning instead of polyester, gold chain on his neck, 
and to crown it off royal chariot. That is a Tesla limousine. Yes. Amen. He's a man that's just walking barefooted a few moments ago. Now he's in a chariot. Now, God added that for your encouragement and my encouragement. So let, let us know that we are faithful and we flow in God. There are rewards. This is what the Bible talks about. Do not forget his benefits. These are benefits. Good. Now let's move on. So his reward brought a public acknowledgement of his promotion. Now, let me go back to Genesis chapter 40 as I begin to develop the fact that Joseph now lived for a bigger picture. And this is important. This is really where the rubber meets the road this morning. I said on Sunday, and I said again this morning, that success is not a destination, it's a journey. For the last two years, God has been teaching you and I on grace, and we are enjoying the grace of God. We are getting promotions. You are getting profits. Things are happening in your houses. God is blessing you true and correct. But a time comes when we must understand the reason for those graces. Joseph did not live just for the moment. He lived for a bigger picture. Yes, we are successful. But at the end of the day, we need to be living for significance. Significance. We are successful, yes. But we must be living and shooting for significance. How would this world be better off as a result of my success? Is the success just for me and my household? Does it just impact me and that's it? Is there something more that God wants to accomplish by making me successful? Those are very important questions. And you're going to see them answered in, in a minute. Now, let me go to Genesis chapter 40. Let me backtrack for a minute before we go forward. To see how this thing played out. Genesis chapter 40. Ah, I may have to start from verse 1. Verse 1. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them so they were in custody for a while. Verse 5. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. Now, verse 6. This is where I'm going. And Joseph came in to them in the morning. And looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his lost house saying, why do you look so sad today? Now, we can read this and just move right on through it. Do you not realize that this attention on Joseph's part towards this butler and baker became the key 
in what God ultimately did for him? These were men that were vulnerable. They were in prison. And Joseph had been given authority over everybody in that prison. And yet, he had enough attention to detail, to pay attention and say, you're not looking so good today, my brother. What's going on? How many times have you and I walked past human beings? Who needed a word of encouragement? Who needed to be affirmed? Who needed to be loved? Who needed a word in season spoken into their lives? So we just walked past them. Why? Because they have nothing to offer us. Joseph, even though he was bound like them, did not allow his bondage to keep him from using what God has placed in him. My friends, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine, never the big ones. And the opposite is that is true. We all make it big, not because of the big things we do well, but because we do the little things consistently well. Yes. Little things. He could have walked right past through his destiny and gone about his business. How many people do we see in the marketplace? At Kruger, Publix. On our jobs. People who don't know, but somehow you get a message, this person is in distress. Don't stop for one second to find out, how can I help you? Because when he asked the question, he had no, he had no expectation. He didn't know what they were going to say back to him. And this is the deal. Many of us excuse ourselves away from our destiny by saying, I have nothing to offer. How do you know that? Because Joseph had no idea what they would say back to him. He just trusted God. He just trusted God. Why are you looking so sad today? And they say, oh wow, we have this dream. We just don't know what it is. Oh really? Interpretations belong to God. I may not know have the answer, but I have one who has it. I have one who has it. Because he ministered to them and the rest is what? History. Don't miss those opportunities that God bring your way. Pray that God will give you the eyes of discernment. Ears to understand. So you can seize them. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man and every woman right now under the sound of my voice that will not be so careless and so busy that we pass our destiny by and ignore ministry that you ordained to promote us. Help us to gain heavenly perspective. Have the courage and the the wherewithal to take a moment to share, to encourage, to bless those you place around us in Jesus' name. Your next door neighbor. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I got on this this morning, but I just want us to be sensitive. 
don't know the angel that God has planted near you to bring you to that next level. Amen? Amen. All right. Back on to Genesis 41. Genesis 41. In verse 56 and 57. Talk about how Joseph lived for a bigger picture. How his success brought him to significance. Okay? In verse 56, we are told that the farming was all over the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the farming became severe in the land of Egypt. Look at verse 57. So, all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the lands. Could he ever have imagined that what God gave him and the success he enjoyed will have significant impact worldwide? Not only did he preserve his brothers and his immediate family, but this young boy did not just live unto himself. His life had a bigger impact than what he could have ever imagined. Because the famine was a global issue. And the entire world came to be fed by Joseph. Ah. For you to understand this impact, go with me to Genesis 37. Ah. Mm, 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 mm. Genesis 37 first, and I'm going to go to 1 Peter chapter 4. Just give me 1 Peter 4, verse 10 in the Amplified Translation. I'd appreciate that. But Genesis 37 for right now. Watch this. In verse 2, this is the history of Jacob. Full stop. Joseph, being 17 years of old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. <laughs> so you think it was after Joseph got to Egypt that he got into the feeding business. At 17, a teenager, he had received the sense of responsibility that even though he was on the field with his brothers, the Bible named him as the chief lead in that enterprise. Joseph was feeding the flock, oh, by the way, with his brothers. His brothers just happened to be along, but he was the chief feeder. You want to know your calling? You want to know your purpose? You want to know what God is uniquely preparing you for? You want to know how God wants to use you to bless the world? What did you do as a teenager? What was it that excited you? What was the passion you carried? What was it that whenever you did it, you were in your element? If they woke you up at 1 a.m. and say, let's go do it, you don't have to think about it. Joseph did not just start feeding nations in Genesis 41. 
He did it in Genesis 37. The feeding business was his DNA. God said you are faithful when you fed the few flock. I'm going to take you to a place where I will multiply that gift and the passion and your faithfulness until you are not only feeding a few flock in Jacob's uh, uh, herd, you are going to feed nations. Huge! (laughs) Huge! Unbelievable! But what I want you to see what you are holding in your hand right now, you may think it's just for your survival, just for your household, but I'm saying to you, the world is your platform. Yes. Don't limit the God that's inside of you. He's the God of all flesh. The earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. You are carrying something that the world is looking for. Yes. It's not just making us successful just to have a nice house in Atlanta and drive a nice Tesla in Atlanta and have servants and nannies. And that's wonderful, but it's way beyond that. We limit God if we think it's just about us. He told his brothers, You guys meant it for evil. Ah, but it's not you doing it. God was at work, He was using you. To position me. Because God saw in the ages to come, there will be a time when the world needs my gift. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. To preserve a posterity in the earth today and to sustain the world. This is where the robot meets the road. What I'm about to say. Only 20% 20% of those in the body of Christ will have a pulpit ministry. Only 20%. So for the rest 80%, does that mean we just come to church on Sunday and play supporting act and so we will get to Oscar award in Hollywood we say the main actor and supporting act? Absolutely not. No. All of us are called by God. Some may be called to the pulpit ministry. But there God, I'm telling you, we will never get the job done until we mobilize 100% of the church. Not just the 20%. Because in Egypt, Joseph did not have a pulpit ministry. And he saved the world. Joseph did not preach a message. He lived the message. Yes. Oh my God. He didn't have to preach it. He just lived it. And by his lifestyle, God saved the world. Yes. My friend, I need what you have. Yes. As much as you need what I have. Yes. We have a corporate destiny yes. called the ministry of the saints. Right now, I'm giving ministry to the saints. In other words, I'm teaching and instructing the saints. But there's a reason for it. It's not just so you can come and clap and say, hey man, hallelujah, and go home. No! 
This is where you are briefed. This is where you are equipped. This is where you receive impartation and encouragement. And then you turn around, leave those doors, and you go do your own ministry. And that is called the ministry of the saints. In other words, ministry that the saints are doing. That's the only way we're going to reach the world. God has not called no one man or woman to hold enough crusades to reach the world. It's a lie. Yes. How many crusades can Rahab Bunky have? It's one human being. And after he has the crusade, what happens? Each one of us has a ministry. And each one of our ministries are valuable, they're important, and must be executed if we are to advance the kingdom of God. Our success is to uniquely prepare us for our ministry. I don't know if you guys are getting what I'm saying to you. All of us. No, don't come here every Sunday and listen to me. You listen, take what's yours, go out and do your ministry. You have a calling. You have a ministry. And I need you to be doing your ministry. Let me give one scripture on that. 1 Corinthians 16, quickly. Let me just go there. I know I said for first Peter, but let me go to first Corinthians 16 first. First Corinthians 16, verse 15. Watch this. First Corinthians 16, verse 15. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanas, that is the, it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the what? Mr. Who? Of the saints. They have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. In the book of Acts, how did the message get out? Okay, all right. Persecution broke out. And the saints went abroad. And the Bible said, preaching as they went. And we are clearly told that the apostles remained in Jerusalem. So who carried the word out? The saints! Everything about the church in it is about the saints, not the clergy. Oh my God, you guys are not paying attention. Let me take off my jacket. You're not getting it. It's never about this place. It's about the saints. Why? Even the preacher is a saint before he became a preacher. Have you ever seen a shepherd that produces sheep? Only sheep beget what? So why should the shepherd be holding the crusade? Religion says that's what happens. Happen. It doesn't make any sense. The work of the shepherd is to equip you, teach you, give you the tools, and say, "Go do it." Yes. And while you are doing it, 
we're encouraging you, go ahead, do it. But because the church is backward, upside down, religion has clouded our senses, our common sense. We're challenging shepherds to bring forth sheep. Something that naturally is absolutely impossible. Joseph was an administrator. And with a gift of administration, he fed the entire world. Don't tell me you have to have a reverend before your name before you can do anything for God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Whatever you are, whatever gift God has given you can be used right now to be blessed. That's what Joseph did. You can see it. Say it out. You can be a blessing to the world. You know that, right? You believe that, right? Are you just smiling or you really believe it? <laughs> so I don't want us to just look at Joseph and say, oh man, he was successful. He had a gold ring. He had a gold necklace. He rode in a nice chariot. He wore nice linen. Yes, all of those things are true. But God did that. To uniquely position him to be blessed to the world. So you and I, every day, must be living for that purpose. Every day. Now, First Peter chapter four. I'm almost done. First Peter chapter four. Amplified. You got it. First Peter 4, verse 10. What it says. As each of you has received a gift, a particular spiritual talent, a gracious divine endowment, employ it for one another as befits good trustees of God's many-sided grace. Faithful stewards of the extremely diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by unmerited favor. Verse 11. Whoever speaks, let him do it as one who utters oracles of God. Whoever renders service, you're a businessman or whatever you do, let him do it as with the strength which God furnishes abundantly so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ the Messiah. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever the end, and through the endless ages. Amen. So be it. Do you see that? This, this is a challenge. For some reason, we've divided the secular from the sacred. So we say, well, if it's not church-related, if it's not a matter of getting people born again or do this, it, it can't be that. It can't be that God. It, it's not. It, it's less superior than than the other. But the Bible says, so that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. In all things, all things meaning everything that pertains to your life. All things. All things. Now, this teaching is going to come to us much later 
we're going to break it down bit by bit by bit by bit. But I just want to show you through Joseph's life that even though he was successful, God made him successful. It was not just to feed his ego. It was not just for his own household, even though the household was blessed. God uniquely positioned him to fulfill the promise he made to his fathers. In and through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And God has not changed his mind. Looking through and told me and you right now to bless the families of the earth. Are we going to do it? Are we going to leave a better place for the generations coming before, behind us? Then we have work to do. We have work to do. Now, the work we are doing is not to get to please God. The work we have to do is because God is already pleased. And because we have a portion in God's desire and delight, we want to contribute our own quota. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the manifold grace that you released over our lives. Your blessings, your benefits, your endowments, your talents, the spiritual abilities, and on and on and on and on. We are coming to a place of recognition that you didn't give us these things just for ourselves alone. Yes, as we release them to be used by you, we get the benefit of it, we are blessed by it, we are enriched by it, but that's not all you gave it for. You gave it to bless the world at large. So, Father, we stand this morning in agreement with your purpose that we will lay our gifts on your altar and ask you to walk through us to touch the rest of our world. That we've been obedient and faithful. Your name will be glorified and Jesus will be exalted to the glory of your name. Thank you for that privilege. We bless you because you are great. We honor you because we are successful. We find our lane. We find our calling. We are working in it. And we are blessing everywhere we go. Thank you, Father. We honor, we bless you. Now and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. And Joseph said to his brethren, I'm dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which is swore to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. How could Joseph move from Canaan to Egypt to Potiphar's house to the prison? How did he survive those distressing circumstances? It's very simple. He believed God at his word. Yes. 
This is huge. He so much believed God. Even as he was dying, he said to his brothers, God gave us a promise. He promised to get us from here to our own land. I know I'm dying now today, but whenever God fulfills this promise, carry my bones out of here and bury me in Canaan. What kind of faith is that? A promise that was not lived out in his own lifetime, but he had the assurance, the hope, the secured expectation that God would do what he promised. And on the basis of that, he said, I may die today, but God's word will not die. I don't know what your situation is. You are saying God made a promise. It's not happened last week. It's not happened tomorrow. I'm saying to you, keep on living. And if you die, you need to know God's word will not be turned into him void. He hastens over his word to perform it. Woo! This is what kept Joseph. That's what kept him. He believed. And you read in Exodus. 400 years later, when they were discharged and released out of bondage, one last mission that Moses had to perform, he went and got the bones of, Moses, of, of Joseph and they carried it with them. Wow. And when he finally got to the promised land, Joshua gave him a befitting barrier in Canaan. Wow. Your bones will not be left in America. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, God is well able to perform everything he's spoken concerning you. If Joseph can stand on the word of God and that what kept him through all the trials and even his death did not doubt that God will not fulfill his word. We had a men's meeting yesterday and the question was asked. I'm sure you remember that. But I doubt you remember that. Dr. Odonfiak. The question was asked. What do I do in between seasons? Brother Tunde was there. God promises I don't see anything happening. How do I manage my doubt until manifestation comes? You have to anchor your soul on infallible, unchangeable God. Anchor your soul on it. Not on me, not on you, not on what we hear on the news report. No, those things will fail you. God is the only one who does not change. I am the Lord. And I change not. Joseph hung his faith and confidence on the unchangeable, infallible word of God. I've read it, he said. God promises to get us out here. Therefore, I lived a season in Egypt, but even if I die, Get my bones out of this ground. They honored it. What does that tell you about the word of God? For 400 years for that to come to pass. But did it come to pass? Yes, it did. If God did not fail Israel, if he did not fail them, after 400 years, he did not forget you and I forget things five minutes ago we've forgotten. 400 years. God said, I'm still on it. 
I'm on your case. Favor is on your way. Grace is upon you. Blessings are coming. I didn't forget you. It tarries. Wait on it. Wait on it. Wait on it. So when doubts come your way, tell the doubt, remember yourself. Tell your doubt, remember yourself. On that note, March 23, 24, 25, the first of the month, springing forth in faith. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Last Wednesday, Thursday and Friday of March. Springing forth in faith. 7.30 every night. Amen.